Patty Gasso has changed so many people's lives. She's changed my life. She's changed so many of these girls that come into her program that become women. Yeah, she's the greatest for a reason. Welcome back to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez, joined this evening by Tyler and Corbin. Guys, how are we this evening? Doing great. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm here. <laughs> Hell, I'm coming off, uh, you know, first live action sporting event in uh, over a year when saw the Avs play last night in a playoff game. And guys, I know all of us miss sporting events. I didn't realize how much I missed it until like I was like walking to my seat and just like surrounded by people and the crowd was going nuts. Like it almost brought a tear to my eye. It was, I awesome. saw your, I saw your Instagram stories. How was the adrenaline rush? I mean, Phenomenal. Was, yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. And there was only, there was less than 8,000 people there, but like, it was just, it was bumping. You could feel the, the speakers in your chest, uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, and it was a great game and the abs are just, you know, they're phenomenally talented. So yeah. It was awesome. Uh, and I, you know, woke up this morning, my, my voice was a little rasp and I'm like, this is just great. I've missed yeah. this so much. Well, <laughs> seeing full crowds at, uh, at NHL playoff hockey, you know, NBA playoffs are, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be completely full, but seeing crowds again, um, turn on the TV today, seeing, you know, a full amount of spectators out of the PGA championship. It's got me super excited about what this uh, college football season is going to look like going ahead, but no, that's fantastic. Glad you were able to do it um down here in norman i mean th- things are good could been kind of a busy week um tomorrow is kind of our busiest one of our busiest work days um, at, at my job of the year so we've been kind of prepping for that all week but excited to get that over and done with and excited to, to talk some sports tonight we got a good interview yeah absolutely there's a lot of postseason sports going on right now hockey basketball baseball softball but also ou men's golf and there was a pretty exciting finish uh, out in albuquerque uh, the other day. So uh, what's the update here with golf? Just fa- fa- fantastic uh, performance on the final day by Coach Hibble's crew. I mean, this was a three-day tournament, this regional that OU's men's golf team was a part of, uh, playing for a chance to go to the national championship um, here in two weeks. And they kind of started off slow, um, dug themselves in a really big hole the first two days. They, I, I believe that they were sitting either eighth or ninth going into the final day. They were quite a few strokes back and then you know, they, they peaked at the absolute perfect time. They turned it on for the final round, shot a, a, uh, a I believe it was a minus uh, 11 or minus 10 as a team 10. for the final. Yeah, minus 10 for the final day. Snuck all the way up and locked in that four seed to advance to the NCAA championship. So incredible performance from Hibble's guys. You know, Quade Cummins, Brightwell, um, you know, McAllister played absolutely fantastic golf. So uh, it was it was pretty nerve-wracking for, for a couple days. Um, and guys, I don't even want to know how many times I kept hitting the refresh button, uh, on that back nine, watching those guys come in. So it was fantastic. And, um, you know, like you said, they've, they've got a chance. Five big 12 programs are going to be competing for a national championship on the golf course out into Arizona here in two weekends. And I think OU's got as good a shot as anybody to, to bring it home. You guys, a cherry on top is we sent the Aggies packing, which is always nice. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I was, I was the same way, Tyler, every, every two minutes we're putting that refresh button seeing what happened between that and going back from the sooner scoop thread just seeing who was posting first about what was going on because obviously yeah. nobody could watch watch it at all so yeah that was a ton of fun and wouldn't be surprised if they go out you know and play really well 
uh, I know the that, NCAA tournament. I know that it's not something which obviously once you get to the national championship, Golf Channel picks that up and they provide some really good coverage. But I wish there was a way during these regionals that the NCAA would figure out a way to be able to stream this. But I know that it is tough with the amount of production and the cameras that are required on an 18-hole golf course. But surely they could figure out some way, especially on the final day, to kind of give the fans a chance to watch and follow the action as the guys come in. I'm surprised like Flow Sports hasn't taken that because they were they were early in like softball and early in on tennis and some of those, you know, I don't mean as poorly, but like the, the lesser sports that weren't getting the coverage in Silver golf would be right up their alley. And maybe they just don't have the bandwidth to do it. Um, but that seems like it would be something they should hop all over. Or maybe at least let Barstool or, you know, the foreplay guys take it over with as much coverage as, you know, we're seeing from the, uh, the LTP classic out in Arizona. That's been absolutely fantastic seeing what Riggs and them, those guys are doing. And who knows, maybe they could, uh, could take over the NCAA and that'd be uh, some pretty good content that they could provide for sure. From a sport that people are clamoring to watch to one that no one is clamoring to watch, it's time for your baseball update. <laughs> the season is almost over. That's your update. We're playing our last series uh, th- this weekend. Actually, they're playing right now in Waco at Baylor, uh, Big 12 tournament after that. Uh, hopefully, you know they don't win <laughs> and get my hopes up and latch me in for a postseason run, but... Uh, that's about it for baseball. So, so that's that's kind of where they're at right now. The only chance they have at seeing a postseason berth is you've got to win the Big Twelve tournament to get one of those automatic bids. There's unless I'm outs- unless I'm completely missing something. Okay. No, there's no chance. I mean, we're barely over five hundred, so um, not the best year for baseball. But if uh, if there's really any team, like especially within just the the OU program that COVID impacted tremendously and had a negative output on it. I mean, it's, it's got to be OU baseball with what they had last year. The fact that that season was canceled and they lost, you know, pretty much their entire starting rotation, especially those top two to three guys uh, to the, to the major league baseball draft, you know, Skip Johnson um, got a feel for him on that. Thanks for the reminder, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> that will take us into the main event, which is softball. And uh, it's postseason time here in Oklahoma, which is uh, big time, uh, especially for us OU fans, because we basically never have to leave the state for postseason softball, which is, is absolutely awesome. And we've got a phenomenal interview this evening with the play-by-play announcer, Chris Plank. So uh, we'll jump into that interview now. Tyler, take it away. Okay, tonight it is our pleasure to be joined by one of the hardest working guys in sports, a guy who really doesn't need any introduction if you follow OU Athletics. He's the host of the Sooner Sports Podcast. You can hear him on the radio weekdays, 9 to 11 a.m. on Sports Talk 1400. He's on Fox Sports Radio. And Sooner fans, you recognize this guy on the sidelines for OU football broadcast, and he is the play-by-play voice for OU softball. Chris Plank is in the house. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going great, Tyler. And as a matter of fact, you just reminded me I needed to update my Twitter bio to put the Sooner Sports Podcast on there because someone was giving me grief about it. So let's go, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I try to stay busy. It's, you know, to get you get to that point of the year and you, you, you get through COVID and you're just trying to cobble in a, enough things together. And we've been blessed with a pretty amazing softball season to send down the home stretch. Well, we know that you're busy around the clock every single month out of the year, but especially with the spring sports going on right now out on the Diamond Marina Hines Field. A big one coming up this weekend with the regionals. But, Chris, before we dive into OU athletics and talk some ball, talk to us a little bit about how you got into sports broadcasting and how you ended up here in your role in Norman. Oh, uh, so I graduated from college in 97, way back in the 90s, with uh, 
with my son in bleach blonde hair and listening to Ace of Base. But I always wanted to do TV and I always wanted to get into TV and I helped work at uh, TU TV whenever I was at the University of Tulsa. But when I graduated, my first job was at a radio station in Tulsa, 1430. And I just fell in love with radio. So I was there for, gosh, all of my career. And I got lucky in 2011 to get an opportunity to work with Toby and the Sooner Radio Network. And I've, it's, it's been great ever since. My family and I decided to move down here to Norman in 2015. Had a great opportunity to, to after the, the 15 softball season, they went full-time with softball. So I had a chance to, to dive into a sport that, honestly, Tyler, I didn't know much about. You know, I, I, I wasn't very familiar. I knew Patty Gasso was amazing, and I knew that this team was really good. So they went full-time with softball, and I'd already been doing the sidelines for football and filling in in baseball. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So we moved down here, and it's been great. It's been a blessing. You know, since we moved down here, I work at a great radio station with great people. Uh, Sirius XM has been really good to me. Fox Sports Radio has been really good to me. So it's been really awesome, man. I've, I've enjoyed living here in Norman. I'm one of the few that, you know, didn't have to move a lot of places. You know, I've, I've been in Oklahoma my whole career, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Well, uh, we unfortunately don't have Corbin and Adam joining us tonight. Corbin was able to score some uh, playoff NHL hockey tickets, nice. so had to take full advantage of that. But um, we talk about it all the time, and whenever we had Jessica Cootie on a few weeks ago, OU fans, we were telling her, seems like OU fans are spoiled with the on-air talent. Between you, T-Row, Jessica, Chad McKee, Gabe, Teddy, all I know I'm leaving off a few, but it's got to make your job easier, much more enjoyable, having these talented men and women to work with every single day. Yeah, no, it's great, you know, and – uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty double blessed because not only do I get to work with Toby and, you know, him being the voice of the Sooners and, and on all the football broadcasts, but you know, we work on the same radio station. We talk every single day. We do the podcast together uh, every single, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on how the schedule works out. And then it's not, you know, it's not just the awesome people that you get to work with, but it's, you know, and Toby teaching the class, you get to talk to the next generation like yourself. And it's just, it's really fun, man. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's a blast to work around the people and be around the coaches that we get to be around too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've had other me media members on the pod to cover OU athletics. And one of my favorite things to ask them is about the work that goes on behind the scenes, because we all see the finished product when you're on the mic or you're in front of the camera, but Chris, take us through a day in the life of your preparation for an event, whether it's getting ready for your radio show prepping for a football game day you're getting set to call oh you softball this weekend what goes on behind the scenes and basically how do you get ready for showtime oh man there's so many different shows that i get ready for it's 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 which one um i i always choke with my wife whenever there's those why are you on your phone moments that i'm always prepping you know i think you're if it's a, a sports talk show you need to think about it tyler on any given day i could be doing my local show on sports talk 1400 or fox sports radio show or a serious XM show on Mad Dog. And that's not bragging. It's just, you know, to have that versatility of things you have to be prepared for to dive into. Right. So yeah, there's there's a different prep, but a similar prep when it goes from getting ready for a talk show to getting ready for a game or a podcast. You know, I uh, I have a family that means the world to me. I have uh, two amazing daughters. I have a son that's probably near your age. And it's just, it's they, they mean a lot to me. And I want to try to spend as much time with them as I can. But in that too, um, I also want to do a, a great job. And when we, let's just say hypothetically, the, the the daily routine is to get ready for a football game. Well, that's not just one day. That's not just one night getting ready. That's the process of, I don't know, a week's worth of interviews and different things of that nature. By the way, my daughter is trying to Zoom bomb you right now. But 
let me just let's just say a normal day. Let's say a normal day, uh, a, a Wednesday. You know, I I'll get up and we'll do our morning routine with the kids. If you know, if there's time to fit in a, a run or exercise or something, we'll do it. If not, you know, I love to get into the radio station an hour before my show. Though I've been prepping a long, a lot longer than that for nine to eleven, uh, and then after eleven a.m., it could be one of many things. You know, it could be coming back home to get ready for a series X and Big Twelve show. It could be going to Sooner Vision Studios to get ready for a TV show. It could be getting ready for a game, right? It could yeah. be a, a softball game that night. So it, I, I know athletes are very much routine oriented. But it's hard to be routine oriented in this whenever that routine can change every single day. So to me, I'm not stop prepping. I'm always reading. I'm always watching. I'm always listening. Um, it's it, and it's something that I love. You know, I, I love yeah. sports radio. I love podcasting. So it's it's a labor of love. And that normal routine changes every single day. But it is it is loaded with work, research and conversations. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, we had a big announcement, you know, speaking of what you've got going on this weekend, regional play starts for OU softball at Marita Hines Field. Big announcement earlier today, going to full capacity. I can't believe I'm finally saying those words. It's going to be full pack stadium this weekend when OU softball kicks off. And so, Chris, you know, whenever whenever the announcement came out today, just the excitement level, you know, we're getting a little bit more closer to normalcy. It's going to be fun. The fans, the players, they deserve it. So talk about the impact that a full stadium can have on this postseason with OU now having a true home field advantage. Well, what's awesome, Tyler, is I've been able to talk about this with uh, people on a lot of different levels today. So it was kind of funny. Um, my sidekick, well, my sidekick, my co-host and I on my radio show, you know, our, we started today, which has been a big conversation over the last couple of days over the frustration of the seedings and the, uh, rankings for the women's softball tournament and lo and behold you know Josh Helmer who I'm doing a show with he he said listen I think it's ridiculous that the NCAA sets this rule that says 50 percent capacity because you think about it Oklahoma hadn't quite got there yet but we were in Stillwater two weeks ago whenever they rolled their capacity up to 100 percent you've seen it at places all across the, the Atlanta Braves are doing it right now so it seemed kind of odd that the NCAA would come in and say listen we don't care what your local region what your local city saying you're going to 50 percent and I think some people you know bit back hard on that and we talked about it a lot on our show and it was kind of funny because legit after Josh got done with his little rant and I was like I agree the Kendall Rogers tweet came out and yeah. you're like someone's listening to us uh, but in all <laughs> seriousness and so then you know we go through it and I start hearing from some people at OU that are like hey we're on this this is going to be big you know just be ready because it's going to be a big deal. And and my point was we're going hundred percent capacity. No one would answer me. Um, but you know, when the Norman city council voted nine zip last night to uh, lift the mask mandate, I think that was huge. Then the, you know, I don't think that had anything to do with the NCAA's decision, but I think it had a lot to do with, you know, Oklahoma's talking to the same people that the city of Norman's talking to and the city of Norman's talking to the same doctors that Oklahoma's talking to. So when I saw that announced this morning, I got pretty excited because I knew what it meant. You know, you know, yeah. hey, we're, we're at a place where we can do this. So with all that backstory, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's <laughs> exciting because they haven't had this. And then so we get this news and we're doing a feature this afternoon with Jada Coleman and T.R.I. Jennings. Well, they've never played in front of a full capacity Marina Hines field yeah. as freshmen. They might be freshman All-American and they might be on their way to uh, potentially winning a national championship. But they're on the verge of winning, you know, uh, well, they won a conference championship. And now 
we're sitting there and we're, we're doing interviews with them. Mm-hmm. And you're realizing that they've never experienced this to full capacity. So you had our enthusiasm with the tickets going on sale the next day. You see the fans' enthusiasm. And then you get that unique perspective of sitting in the outfield today doing our interviews with TRA and Jada and knowing that they're going to get to experience something that they've never experienced before. And they deserve it, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, we can safely do it. I talk to Dr. Bratzler every single Friday on my radio show. I know he's excited about it. Uh, our vaccination numbers are really good. Mm-hmm. in the city of Norman. So we're, we're in a good spot, man. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's really exciting. I think not just for the, the fans, but it's really exciting for the players who haven't had a chance to experience yeah. this yet. Absolutely. And like you said, when you haven't played in front of a full stadium all season long, what better time to kick it off than with regional play and hopefully right. super regionals coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, Chris, one of the things that's just absolutely amazed me about, you know, the OU fan base, you know, we know that football's king, no matter what always is going to be, um, but the OU softball fan base, just the passion behind it. I can remember, you know, all the way back in 2015 before I started school at OU, driving up, touring the campus, and it was on a Saturday. We were driving around, and we go past Marita Hines Field, and there's literally tents and tables and chairs. People are out there tailgating for OU softball. So I knew it was a big deal, but once I started working with OU marketing, three years at the ticket office, being able to interact with the fan base, OU softball fan, I mean, they, they love their softball, and they love Pettigasso. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, they're great. You know, there, there's a, I I think like every fan base, there's that faction that is never satisfied. Right. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's life. That's how you're going to be. There's people that Oklahoma can win, you know, 50 big 12 championships in a row. And they're still like, well, we lost that one game in the regular season. That's, that's fan. I mean, that's life. Right. But um, I love the softball fans. You know, they're, they're the best. Is there, is there um, a, a faction of them that are like that, that are, you know, one loss all of a sudden they're, they're mad on social media. Sure. But that's part of passion. Right. Um, they're, they're loud. They're proud. They put everything they have into it. They invest in it. It's not just to say, Hey, I, I buy my season tickets, but I'm trying to do everything I can to help get this stadium built. Tyler, if they don't have money to do it, they're going to use their, their word of mouth. They're going to reach out to friends. They're going to use social media. They're going to yep. use hashtags, even if they have two followers, right? They're going to grind for this program. So, sure. and, and, and that's Patty's mentality too, right? That's that blue collar mentality that not just this program has, but I think all of uh, Oklahoma athletics has is that, Hey, sure. we're not, even if we're in a situation where, we might not have the best talent or we might not have the most money. We're going to grind till we get there. And I've just, that's one thing that's been really cool, especially on the softball side of things. All part of that championship mindset that, that's that right. there preaches, you go. preaches day in and day out. Well, before we dive into what's coming up this weekend, I want to ask you a little bit more about Patty. Somebody that's sure. you know, been, been around the program, been around her um, and seeing her impact on OU softball. I feel like it's something that Corbin and Adam and myself, we talk about every year. And I think we're running out of superlatives to describe what Patty Yasso has done in her 27 years here in Norman. So does it almost feel like we're taking the overall success of this program and what Patty's done for granted? Because, I mean, we all love Patty, but is she truly getting the credit that she deserves for what she's built as in a softball program here at OU? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's, there's sometimes where I think absolutely, you know, cause you see, you see that passion, you see that respect, you see that uh, overall just awe of what she's done. But then again, you also stop and you're like, well, the stadium's not built yet. So, you know, it's like all, all these things that come into it and you're like, well, that facility still needs to happen. But yeah, no, uh, Patty Gasso has changed so many people's lives 
she's changed my life. She's changed so many of these girls that come into her program that become women. Yeah, she's the greatest for a reason, you know, and it's because she invests her time and she listens to people. Uh, you know, when you go to play for her that it's, you know, you're going to learn how to play softball. You're going to do it right. the right way. And she's going to make you better, but you're also going to learn about life and how to properly approach being an adult. Yep. And so I just, you know, does she get the respect that she deserves? I hope so. I think so. Right. I, I think she does. Is there another level that she that she deserves? Oh, absolutely in everything that she does. <laughs> so I you're not gonna find many bigger Patty Gasso um, believers, friends, supporters than I am. I just and I get to see it every day. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I mean I don't go to practices all the time. I think you reach a point too where you're like, okay, she might be tired of me because I can be a little high energy guy, so maybe it can be a little <laughs> much. But no, she's uh she's great and you know, she's an NFCA Hall of Famer. She needs to be in every Hall of Fame. She's an Oklahoma Hall of Famer now. Yep. Um, yep. She's just, it's amazing to think about what she's done to this point with this program and what she still wants and can do as the facility improvement, uh, facility upgrades progress. Yeah. She's a Hall of Fame coach, fantastic coach, but she's an even better person. Just the impact that go. she's had, you know, not just on her staff, not just on her players year in and year out, but her interaction with the fan base, especially with the, you know, youth softballers that come out, her taking the time to, you know, say hi and interact with every single one of those. It goes a long way. So we, we love Patty on this podcast and, you know, we're um, super thankful that she's here in Norman, but let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit of ball. Obviously regionals kicking up this weekend, you know, Chris, OU, Morgan state, Texas A&M, Wichita state, what should fans know about some of the teams that are coming to Norman this weekend? Well, um, first of all, they all got a raw deal. Outside, I mean, Wichita, Wichita <laughs> State, yeah, Wichita State's a good team, right? They're a, that's a really good team. Wichita State owns two wins over Oklahoma State this season. They won two of the three games they played against them. They were a, a top 25 team at points uh, throughout 2021. They, they beat Iowa State when they were ranked. I mean, outside of getting run ruled by Oklahoma, they, they were pretty good against the the big 12 they they just they got a raw deal you know they lost two of they lost three of four to south florida and and usf has arguably one of the better pitchers that no one's ever really heard about in georgina cork and it's just it's unfortunate that they've landed here because wichita state if wichita state would have gone to arkansas or even oklahoma state i probably would be sitting here telling you that i think oklahoma state or excuse me wichita state could force an if necessary game in that regional. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think they have anything for Oklahoma. And they, listen, they played each other before and Oklahoma went up there and beat the snot out of them, but it was also kind of on a unique night and uh, Wichita state. I don't believe they threw their ACE in that right. game. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M on the other hand, you know, they've, they've been one of those teams that's had some good wins so far this season. I don't, I don't necessarily know if I would put them in that position to say that they deserved better than Oklahoma. I mean, they, they only, they were eight and 16 in conference play this year. And, yep. you know, they got, they got beat by teams like Colorado state and, and Texas tech. I mean, they've, they've got, they, they, they played a really good game in one of their first non-conference conference games against Kansas against Tennessee. But for the most part, they, they haven't earned, you know, that something more than what they've received. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have some good wins. They went down to Baton Rouge and they beat LSU. Um, they swept South Carolina, but for the most part, you know, this isn't, 
this isn't a team that when they come in, you say, oh, no, it could be trouble because I just think Oklahoma is infinitely better than them. They're coming off, what, seven straight losses to end the season. I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even know if Texas A&M who's, is who Oklahoma is going to face on Saturday afternoon when the, if the Sooners, you know, when the Sooners take care of Morgan State. Right. I think Wichita State's really good. I think they can beat them. But with that said, you know, every single team has a couple of stars that you've 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 got to you got to keep an eye on and that kind of conserve you uh, concern you and you know with with Texas A&M they've got Haley Lee who's sitting 413 this season who has 22 yep. home runs and 43 RBI she's really good uh, and they've got a they've got a couple of good pitchers right I don't know if they have anyone that's that's quite on the level of a G Juarez but Mackenzie Herzog's thrown a lot of innings this season and opponents are hitting just 120 against her and that's in a very challenging SEC so yeah I. I mean, listen, I, I don't know. I won't lie to you. I don't know much about Morgan State yet. That's kind of my Thursday <laughs> prep. But in Texas A&M and Wichita State, this is going to be a fascinating, fascinating matchup between these two teams that I think both got a pretty raw deal. Uh, well, Wichita State got a really raw deal. Having right. I mean, Wichita State deserved to go um, to, to at least Stillwater. Well, that's one of the things that I noticed immediately when watching the selection show last week, whenever Wichita State was announced to be going to the Norman Regional to take on, you know, OU as the top seed. Um, as the show kind of progressed, speaking of a raw deal, we start going on further into the national seeds, you know, right. who's one all the way to 16, and we still don't see Washington. And then it's finally announced that Washington is uh, is going to be, you know, sitting at the 16th seed, a team that finished second in the Pac-12 by UCLA, 41-11 and 11 overall, a team that spent the entire season ranked in the top 10, if not the top five, and Sam, somehow they end up as right. the 16th seed. So, um Typically, the number one overall seed kind of has the easiest path to get to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. But sounds to me like, oh, you got a raw deal with what they could potentially be facing, not just in Washington, but even Michigan could yeah, be a possibility in the, in the next round as well. Yeah, Oklahoma got a tough draw. You know, I think any of the other top eight seeds have ended up with a, a much more beatable 16, if you will, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9. <laughs> I mean, I would just about take any of those teams over – you know, one of the finalists for player of the year in Gabby Plain. I mean, that's Washington's star pitcher in Gabby Plain. But also in that, there's a party that stops, and, and this is that homerism in me that says, yeah, it sucks for Oklahoma, but, man, that really sucks for Washington. <laughs> you know, here, here is a team that deserved to be in the top eight. You know, and some say, well, yeah, Washington, they, they kind of struggled down the stretch, and they did. You know, they lost two of their four games to Stanford yep. you know they they did beat UCLA but they weren't really competitive and two of the other three games they got run ruled by Oregon this year you know they're not a bad softball team they're a good softball team they're a top eight softball team but man they really got hosed in, in ending up that 16 spot and not just ending up in that 16 spot but also you hit it on the head M Michigan I mean the Michigan Wolverines are the Big Ten champions 36 and 6 and they're having to go, not like to, I don't know, uh, Illinois or somewhere. They're having to go to Seattle to play a game. I mean, they are in, they're a really good softball team, right? I mean, they have been dominant at times this year. They've got some bombers on that roster, but yet they, they paid a really tough price because of, the, the the Big Ten only schedule. So right. yeah, Oklahoma is in a 
to me, I, I think Oklahoma's and, and UCLA are on a collision course with the, with each yeah. other. I mean, that's just how I feel. I feel like that's been the case all season long. But, you know, in, in Michigan and in potentially Washington waiting for them, you know, you have two teams that have three pitchers between them that could throw for anyone. In yeah. Michigan's uh, Megan Bovine, I think it's how you say her name, and Alex Duraco, and then, of course, obviously, with Gabby playing for Washington. And all it takes is a pitcher getting hot to put you in a tough spot in softball. Right. So, yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. You know, it, it sucks for those teams, but it also makes this road much more challenging for Oklahoma, but they're going to go out and tackle it, man. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's probably going to be any team that's going to be more battle-tested coming out of the regionals and hopefully the super regionals going into the World Series, it's going to be Oklahoma. And, you know, Chris, one of the things that we talked a lot about on this podcast, you know, Patty's uh, year 27 here in Norman, and I think that, you know, we'll see how the season finishes out. But if they go on and win the fifth national championship under Patty, I think that the argument and the conversation needs to be had that this could potentially go down as one of the best, if not the greatest college softball team of all time and one of the best, you know, overall teams uh, here at the University of Oklahoma. But one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast is the pitching staff and how right. how it's going to hold up once we get into the postseason and face different competition. We've seen some incredible outings this year from G, Shannon, and Nicole May, who, in my opinion, I don't think she's getting enough credit for what she did this past weekend or two weekends ago, um, being as clutch as she was in the circle against Oklahoma State. So, Chris, my, my question to you as someone who's followed this team closer than anybody, I don't know if this staff has a truly dominant pitcher like what we've seen in the past with a Keelani Ricketts or a Paige Parker, someone who can go right. win you a game whenever needed. So right. do you think to win a national championship, <coughs> OU needs to establish a go-to pitcher entering the, the, the postseason play, or is it just going to be all hands on deck and Patty's going to ride the hot hand? Yeah, yes and no. How's that? Um, I think everyone wants to have a dominant one that they point out there and they feel good with. And maybe we've seen Shannon Sale become that. Um, I know G. Warris has shown she can be that. I think I think G's comeback from her surgery has been more challenging than she could have imagined. Right. Uh, and and she's missed some spots this year. You know, this I I love G to death, but she's never had an issue with the long ball like she has this year. She's given up 17 home runs this season, five in the last three games that she pitched. And the good news is that G came out and was really good on Saturday night or Friday night, I guess it was against Texas Tech. And, you know, to me, the key for G is if you want to get technical with it, is she's got to stay ahead of the count. You know, for the five home runs that were hit off her in Bedlam was when she had fallen behind the count. Um, but, you know, she's she doesn't walk a lot of pet, uh, batters. You know, she's she's only she's only, I think, walked two batters or more like three times this season, four times this season. And and she's only walked um, she's only walked the most she's walked in a game is two batters. You know, that's 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 a good sign. She's been able to pound the zone, but she's given up bombs. So it's like pick your poison. Right. The most amazing thing to me that's happened is, you know, we all thought Shannon Sale would be in that Paige Lowry kind of closer role, but she's really stepped up as a starter. She was really good in both the Big 12 championship game and in the opener against Baylor. Um, but she struggled out of the pen, you know, in her in her last five starts. She's she struck out 29 and has only given up a couple of runs. But whenever she comes out of the pen, you know, she walked six batters in her last yep. three appearances out of the pen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think you see, I think you see G start against Morgan State this weekend. 
to get that confidence rolling for her because when G's got the dirtiest stuff on the staff. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, Nicole May, you're right. She pitched nine innings in three games against Oklahoma State and only allowed two runs. And she struck out six batters and walked just one. You know, she was in – and she was put into tough situations, right? Um, you think about the well, – I have it written down here so I wouldn't forget it. Saturday, second and third with nobody out, and she comes in with a 3-1 count. So she walks that batter, gives up a sack fly, then gets a pop-out and a strikeout that basically sealed the victory. Um, on Sunday, she comes in with a bases loaded and two outs. Oklahoma State had just put six on the board, and she gets a strikeout looking of Cheyenne Factor. So you go back, and then she was great when she came out of the pen. In fact, she was so good, they named her to the All-Big 12 tournament team, and she right. pitched like three innings. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's a really, really long answer, and I apologize because it is, I think, a very good question. You know, do you need, do you want a number one? Absolutely. Um but when you have confidence in three pitchers right now, like the Sooners appear to have in Juarez Sale and Nicole May, I think you feel pretty good if you're Jennifer Rocha going forward with this. And when you've got arguably the best lineup in college softball, you know, that it scores as many runs as they do, it can uh, it can take the pressure off your pitching staff uh, in, a, in a huge way. But, no, Nicole May was fantastic. I mean, like you said, she pitched three, four innings, and over the span of that weekend she had a win, a save, and struck out six batters. So – um, good confidence for her going into the postseason play for sure. Well, Plank, we can't have you on without talking a little sooner football. And there's some big expectations going into 2021. As a fan, you know, I, I've had 2021 circled as the year for quite some time. I know a lot of other fans have done the same thing. But, you know, we've seen a big jump in recruiting, especially on the defensive side of the football. We're headed into year three of Alex Grinch. You know, I, I don't think it can be said enough how incredible of a job Grinch has done turning around the way the defense is supposed to be played at a program like Oklahoma. So are we, this is kind of a loaded question, but are we valid in our expectations and thinking that this has a chance to be OU's best shot at a national championship in quite some time? Yeah. Cause the defense is good. Absolutely. Um, you hit it on the head, you know, you, uh, not only is that defense good, but it's created a really good attitude for itself too. You know, in the speed D mindset, it not only has, it not only has a, a lot of talent and a lot of depth, but it's got itself a little personality to it, I think. And, you know, I'm real big on mock drafts, Tyler, and I'm already looking up for next year. And there's names like Perry on Winfrey and uh, guys like Nick Benito that are being projected as first round picks. And I don't even know off the top of my head when you had a couple of defenders that were projected to be first round picks for the Sooners. And, you know, I, I love this staff. There's not a single guy on this staff. I, I'm blessed enough to do the coaches corner show where Gabe and I interview an assistant every week. And there's not a single one of these guys that are bad interviews, but they have what they wanted and they wanted depth and they're, they've got some depth. So, you know, you look at probably the deepest defensive line. There's nine guys in that inside backwards room right now, the safety depth, the corner depth. It's kind of fun to sit here, isn't it? And we're yeah, talking absolutely. about football and, and we're not talking offense yet. You know, we just went through, defense and we haven't even talked about uh, yeah. another Heisman Trophy candidate Spencer Rattler at quarterback you know it's just it's 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 really impressive what Alex Grinch and these guys have done now let, let's see if the quarterback play in this league improves and how this defense continues to adjust yeah I was on the phone with my dad the other day talking to ball and I can't believe the words that came out of my mouth I'm actually I have less questions about this OU defense I'm more confident yeah. in what Grinch is going to put out there 
than what we could see from Lincoln Riley. And the fact that, you know, you see what Lincoln's done with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen, some of the, you know, historic offenses in college football just over the last four or five years alone. But the fact that we have so much confidence in what this defense can be, I just think, you know, it it bodes well for for the expectations going into yeah. this year. And yeah. especially given the fact that, you know, Spencer Rattler is going to be returning for another year and you've got some of the other blue bloods across the country, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all are going to be, you know, replacing their starting quarterback. I think that kind of sets OU up well for the future uh, going into 2021 as well. Yeah, and, and you know, there's going to be good players that are, I mean, we, we already see saw DJ Uyunglele and what he could do at Clemson. We know that, uh, what is it? I always forget Young's first name. Bryce, Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce. Bryce Young. We know how good he potentially can be for Alabama. Ohio State's got two five stars that are battling for the job. So there's going to be good guys in these places. But those were three first-round draft picks that moved on, right? And yep. Fields and Trevor Lawrence, number one overall, mm-hmm. and and Mac Jones. So it's not going to be just, I think, seamless. We saw that last year with a, a first-year starting quarterback. It can be a challenge. So that's a really good point, Tyler. I mean, you start looking around the league, and when you got when you got Spencer coming back and this being one of his first true off-seasons that he really has on campus where he can work with guys and there's no COVID issues, I just – I love it, man. I'm really yeah. excited for football. You, you brought up the mock draft for 2022, and I think that, you know, OU and the Big 12, you know, kind of got a bad rap for the overall performance of the number sure. of players that were drafted, you know, this uh, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Looking at what's, you know, shaping up for 2022, I think that realistically you're looking at anywhere from, you know, 10 to maybe 14 guys off this roster right now that has have a chance to be drafted in the NFL next year. So, um you know, it's it's absolutely crazy. Paul Feinbaum yesterday said that out of all the teams in America, there's only one that doesn't have a weakness, and that's Oklahoma. So uh, to, for those words to come out of that guy's mouth, uh, as big of an SEC homer as it is, um, expectations all-time high. Um, but it's uh, it, it's good. We're excited about it for sure. Yeah, no, and we should be, right? It's, it's an exciting time to be an Oklahoma sports fan. And football is the bell cow, and everyone loves football, and I'm with them. But – Man, it's really exciting what's going on across the board at all these programs right now. It's it's a big time it's a big time time to be a Sooner Athletics fan. Absolutely. Well, we'll finish up with this. We'll get you out of here. Fourth quarter, four rapid questions. Starting with number one, Chris. I know you're a diehard Raiders fan. That's your NFL uh-huh. team. We hear about that. You, you bring that up on the show all the time. Right. So much. just kind of looking, you know, based on some mock drafts in 2022, looking at what OU's got going into this upcoming season, Uh if you could poach a player off of the 2021 Oklahoma Sooners and plug them in to John Gruden's Raiders, where where are you going? Perrion Winfrey. Winfrey? Okay. I figured that was going to be the case. Right. But I'll say this. You know, I'm a big Derek Carr defender. I'm a Derek Carr guy. (laughs) But but if if Spencer – I like Spencer, man. It'd be – you know, Derek Carr's got two years left on his deal. So it'd be win-free for me to win now, Tyler. It'd be Spencer thinking about the future. Thinking about the future. Well, I, um, I've i got a trip planned to Vegas out here in a couple months, and I cannot wait to see what that stadium looks like from, from the outside. Almost looks like a spaceship. It's so it's so cool. Well, no, number two for me, living here, in, living here in Norman, if we see you out at lunch, you're, you're, taking, you're taking the wife out, you and Toby going out to grab a bite to eat. What's your favorite Norman eatery? Uh, if you're picking a place to take somebody to lunch, where can we see you? Um, 
The Mont is one of our favorites. And I know that some people, uh, for some reason, I, I'll see people like Bettner complain about it on Twitter. I don't get that. I, <laughs> That's right. I, I love the Mont, man. I, I, do, I, I was there the last Mont night. Show. Yeah, I love the Mont. Mushroom Swiss burger. Uh, I'm a big, uh, we're, you know, we're probably in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, to be honest, is where we are. Um, but I, I love being able to sneak away to hideaway too. You give me a big country pizza with some, oh. uh, you know, some fried mushrooms and that ranch. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in heaven, but I'm a, I'm a simpleton too, though. I mean, I'm, I, I'm okay. If we end up having to go to, um, the, like I said, just the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, or if we just have to end up going to like grab a, uh, grab something as, as I guess you could say elementary is an Arby's, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm real easy. As you, I don't get too choosy with food anymore, but that's <laughs> definitely number one on our depth chart. Yeah. Some of the uh, comments from, from Bettner uh, about the month, yeah. those are, those he, are fighting words in this dude. part of the state. He, he's a food guy. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't doubt him. And Gabe's Gabe Iker, it's my go-to source on all things food. But yeah, if I go to the month, I just, you know, I hadn't had the chance. We went the other day uh, last Monday and we went during the day and I got cheese fries, and I forgot oh. how good the cheese fries were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a we're we're a big Mont family, so yeah, that'd be number one. Fantastic, number three for me. You've been in Oklahoma. You've seen a lot of ball across all various various sports here at OU. Is there a memorable or a favorite game or two that you've been on the broadcast for? It can be football, it can be softball, anything. Atmosphere. Is there one or two that sticks out head and shoulders above the rest? Oh, I mean, obviously the championship series for OU softball in 16 and 17 uh, was pretty special. I would say in 2019 when they played Oklahoma State in softball and uh, you had Samantha Shaw on that OSU team and she was known for a bat flip. And that was a team that, I mean, this is, I mean, <laughs> they were very confident in their abilities and uh, Oklahoma State fans showed out. That was a pretty special environment in, in the Oklahoma City USA Softball Hall of Fame Stadium. So on the softball side of things, and then there's always for me, some of those like small trips. Like we took a trip a couple of years ago to Oregon. It was crazy. We got beat, but just that, that environment. Two years ago when we got shut down with COVID, we went to Arizona earlier that year. Uh, and Mariah Lopez had just transferred and she came in the game and you're like, what's going on? This is crazy. <laughs> but uh, football wise, man, any of the OU Texas games, I'm in heaven whenever I'm there. Uh, even this year, you know, with COVID, you have the story with the Texas fans that just oh, broke yeah. all the protocols and were running around. <laughs> yeah. um, I love the night before that game, too. I love everything about it. Uh, as far as just, though, as a moment, man. The end of the Bedlam game, what was it, 13 or 14, when Brendan Clay scored the touchdown and yep. that won it in overtime, mm -hmm. uh, that was one of the coolest moments because I kind of broke protocol. I went and I grabbed Brendan right after his touchdown. I put a mic in his face. <laughs> we just, and we didn't care, man. We Got just caught up in the moment. And, and the fans, the fans, they played – uh, they played jump around and the plates just went crazy. And, you know, it wasn't – it wasn't the greatest year start to finish, but sometimes people only enjoy those moments if they were in championship seasons, right? They're like, oh, well, that game, that didn't matter. We didn't win a national title that year. Yeah, yeah, but it was awesome. Right. Uh, and and listen, anyone who was at the Rose Bowl, was I, I could sit here and drone on on this all day long, Tyler, and I know you try to be, be quick on this, but at, at, there's, you know, you usually put me in a setting with the crowd and uh, – a Sooner game going on, I'm going to be in heaven. So, yeah, it's it's hard to it, – as you can tell from this rambling wreck of an explanation, uh, it's hard for me to even narrow it down to like 10. 
Yeah, that OU Georgia Rose Bowl, that's that's number one for me. I mean, Unreal. ultimately it wasn't the the outcome that we'd hoped for, but the game, the pageantry around the uh, around that bowl game, I mean, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Well, Chris, last one for me on here. We asked this one to Jessica Cootie a few weeks back, and she gave some really good ones. So I'm curious to hear what you're gonna have on this. Obviously, like you said, you've been with OU a really long time. You've had a chance to cover a lot of great athletes um, dur- during your time here in Norman so far. Is there one or two that stick out as being your favorite, whether it's a favorite you know, player to talk to weekly or favorite story? Um, Caleb Kelly comes to mind with all that that kid's been through, as well-spoken as he is, fantastic leader on and off the field. So is there one or two athletes that kind of stick out as being uh, you know, the most memorable ones that you've had a chance to interact with? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, was just incredible. No um, big deal. Because, yeah, he, he was. It was great because people don't realize Baker was such an OU fan whenever he was growing up. And every time that I would go to do an interview with him, I had Teddy Lehman with me, and Teddy Lehman was his like favorite player growing up, apparently. So I always had my in uh, with him. And then Teddy went up to the booth and you slide Gabe in and him and Gabe were buddies. So, yeah. uh, love talking to Baker because Baker didn't give up. He didn't care. You know, he was going to tell you how it was. And he told you the truth. I love talking to Kyler. I did. Kyler was a dude that I thought was just special. You don't see players like that. I know that he caught some, some grief for the Dan Patrick interview before the draft, but I love them. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> I, I can, I love talk. Kenny Stills was always great. If you go back, I think some of the guys on this year's team, Spencer Rattler's been really good. I've liked getting to talk to him and getting to to know him. But softball, I mean, it's, if I automatically then go back to softball. But, you know, for every single one of the players who I would say is I didn't think about their family, right? I think, oh, if I told you Sid, I was like, oh, her mom was awesome. She, uh, her dad would be at all the games. Then her younger brother, Mikey, who's going to go to Arizona, Mikey draft. You know, you start Kaylee Clifton. Oh, I love talking to CeCe. And then I'd see her mom, Marina, there, and everyone knows CeCe's story about losing her dad before she – I mean, yeah. it's, it's just – it's incredible. You think of all these people and their stories that they have. Though I, I will say if you would if you would say one interview and one conversation, when we beat – Tulsa in 2017 in extra innings mm-hmm. on the uh well there was a game tying home run by CC and then I think Sid walked Sid, it off Sidney hit it yeah yeah that that moment came like and on the anniversary of, of Kelly losing her dad mm-hmm. and it was just you know you saw her mom was in tears her family was in tears Kelly was in tears uh, and they had just done something that was incredible. You know, that was the power of three. That was a team that w- it was kind of left for for dead, if you will. They got the nine seed. They had to go on the road for the Super Regionals. They had a really tough regional and lost their opener to North Dakota State. They were the number one seed to start the season and then got beat twice in Mexico, lost twice to Cal Poly during the year. That 17 team, there should be a book written about it, how they were able <laughs> yeah. to pull things together. So yeah. that's one of my favorite stories. And, you know, I, I got, I mean, just any, com- I, I would go beyond just players and say, coaches, any conversation I have with Lincoln or with Patty, I mean, it's just, it's been great, you know, and I, yeah. I would take that even one deeper. JT Gasso is a guy that I think has an incredible future, um, whatever he wants to do in, in coaching. You know, I hope if, if it's when coach retires and JT slides in, great. If JT wants to go and do his own thing, he's going to, he's going to win titles. So That's I cool. just, we're, we're really blessed, dude, with a lot of really good interviews and I'm, yeah. uh, I'm lucky that I get to talk to him. 
Well, if they ever do a 30 for 30 or a documentary series on Patty's time here in Norman, there needs to be a lot of attention paid to, to that 2017 team. And amazing that, team. And that's kind of one of my favorite things, you know, not just, you know, listening to T-Row to, to on the call or you on a call, you know, you guys are fantastic great at what you do. But I, I think that some of the, the most enjoyable content that I get out of it is whenever you and Jessica and T-Row and, and T, uh, T Rowe take it a step further where we're able to learn, you know, not just how these, how these you know, men and women are on the field, but learning about the backstory, how they got to where they are, you know, why it's so meaningful that they're in the position that they are right now uh, playing sports here at the University of Oklahoma. So the content that you guys provide on that, you know, week in and week out Thanks, during man. the seasons are are absolutely fantastic. Well, um, Chris, we uh, again can't, can't can't thank you enough for for coming on, hopping on with this. Uh, let let everybody know again um, where they can catch all your stuff because I, I I don't know. There, there's no free time for you. I, I don't see. Podcast, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've I've been babysitting while we've been doing this podcast. And yeah. Oh my daughter! <laughs> I texted you and said I'm going to put my kid to bed. I didn't know they're going to stay up late with me. Um, I would just, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you're a diehard Sooner fan and you're a diehard sports fan. So right. I encourage everyone to check out the Sooner Sports podcast. You can subscribe at Soonersports.com slash podcast or search Oklahoma Sooner podcast on uh, Apple, iTunes, however you consume podcasts. And then uh, I'm daily 9 to 11 every single day talking OU athletics on Sports Talk 1400 and Sports Talk 1400.com. And Tyler, I appreciate you having me on, man. Call Absolutely. Time. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll do it again soon as we get closer to football season. So, Plank, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler. Talk right. to you soon, man. We'll see Bye -bye. you. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I am pumped up for some postseason softball now. Uh, I think just with that whole interview, um, a lot of great insight into, you know, how this team has, has gone through the season um, and really the challenge ahead of them and where they're going. Yeah, it just I mean, he's a pro's pro, uh, you know, always get uh, great to get some of the, the backstory behind what uh, these guys and girls do on the broadcast front. Uh, the thing, ironically, maybe I took away most was actually a, probably a combination from our pod and, and Gabe and Teddy's pod. Uh, they were talking about on Gabe and Teddy when um, Patty got kicked out of Bedlam and she had to listen to Chris in the bus. And she mentioned, you know, uh, when Chris gets a little excited, it stresses her out. And then on <laughs> our, our podcast, Chris mentioned that, uh, you know, he knows he can stress Patty out sometimes because he brings so much energy. And I don't know if they I certainly haven't heard, you know, each other's you know comments on the pod. But I was like, how hilarious is that, that they like. <laughs> they know that about each other and they're mentioning it, you know, on two separate podcasts. So that was by far, I think the thing I found the the most entertaining and honestly just the most ironic with the interview with, with Chris. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things is, you know, listening to him talk about his preparation, you know, he's one of the busiest guys uh, in the world, you know, sports broadcasting with everything that he does on a weekly basis. And especially right now, throw in uh, postseason play with, with OU softball, he's going to be extremely busy, you know, knock on wood. Uh, if this team does what we think they're going to do, he's got a big month ahead uh, on the OU softball. But, you know, hearing him talk about j just kind of echo what, what we talk about with Patty's impact on this program, the fact that she's going on year 27 here in Norman, the program that she's built, the consistency, that championship mindset. And like I said, 27 years, fourth national championship and as good as uh, as good as a number of teams as she's had in the past. It kind of seems like if this team closes the year out like what we expect them to do. Um, I think that you're the the case could be made. You're going to have to have the conversation. This could possibly be one of the best, you know, softball teams of all time in college softball, and one of the best teams in OU athletics history. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch. And guys, one of the one of the announcements that you know we kind of talked about with Plank last night that OU came out with, you know, earlier yesterday was the fact that 
we're finally going to be at full capacity this weekend once OU gets the regional play uh, underway starting tomorrow night against Morgan State. So um, j- just the fact that it, it's been so tough uh, uh, on the fan base, you know, we all know how passionate the OU softball fans are, the fact that uh, that, that they're out tailgating. They're, they probably already got the tent set up as we speak right now. Um, but it, everybody's excited about that. And really, if, if you got to be excited for anybody, you got to feel for, uh, you know, the, the players. COVID's been extremely tough uh, on these girls from the travel, the protocols, not being able to play in front of their fans, and the fact that it couldn't have happened at any better time, the fact that we're going into postseason play and OU's going to have a true home field advantage for what hopes to be, you know, uh, the, the program's fifth national championship. But guys, what were, you know, kind of, what are kind of your expectations for, for, you know, postseason play with OU softball? Is it, uh, I mean, is it national championship or bust or what are you guys going to be looking forward to watching? I think as always, it's going to be a huge disappointment if we're not, you know, in that final uh, game in Oklahoma city at, at minimum. Um, I think this year is kind of odd and we have an incredible record, probably the best record we've ever had. And um, I'm still not nearly as confident as I have been in years past. Um, So I don't know if it's just the weird shakiness, weird year, you know, as we've kind of come down the stretch, struggling with Oklahoma state a a little bit, but I think they'll, they'll rise up to the challenge. I mean, this is, this is our time to shine. So uh, I'm not too worried uh, as maybe I sound like I am, but uh, I expect some big things still. Yeah, anything less than what the championship series, you know, would probably be a disappointment because I do think UCLA is very, very good. And that seems to kind of be the matchup that is just of destiny. Now, typically, when you have a matchup of destiny like that, somebody falters and it doesn't end up playing out the way it's supposed to. But I do think those are those are the two best teams. But guys, they didn't get any favors from the selection committee at all. Um, Not only this weekend hosting a pretty decent Wichita state team. And then, you know, Texas A&M as well. Uh, No offense to, to Morgan state, but I'm probably not going to put them quite in that category, but then you're staring down a team who was top six, most of Mm -hmm. the season, Washington, who gets Mm -hmm. the 16 seed. I mean, I'm not sure I've seen something that bizarre in a very, very long time. Um, But, I mean, what an electric matchup that would be to have a softball power like Washington Huskies coming to Norman uh, next weekend for a three-game series. And I would be stunned if that does not go three. Uh, I mean, Washington's beat UCLA at least once this year. That I know of. Uh, I think they lost that series three to one. But um, very talented. I don't know how that. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you're a top six team the majority of the year, top five team majority of the year, and you get a 16 seed. I'm confused on that one. But uh, you're gonna have to beat these teams at some point. So you might as well get them out of the way early. Well, I don't think, or I don't think Patty even knew what the thought process was behind that. You know, listening to her on the Oklahoma breakdown. You know, it was. It was nice and refreshing to basically hear just, you know, her, her flat out just, you know, basically call out the NCAA, you know, what 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 the heck are you doing? What was the thought process behind that? And and listening to Plank, the fact that, you know, if, if OU takes care of business this weekend, which we expect them to do, the fact that you're you as the uh, number one overall seed in the country in the entirety of college softball, you're essentially going to be matched up more than likely against a team that was in the top seven all year, their pitcher. Their ace is up for, you know, National Collegiate Player of the Year, just like Jocelyn Allo. So you're either going to face Washington or you might be facing Michigan, a team that won the Big Ten, the Big Ten Championship 36-6 and six on the year. But, no, NCAA didn't do these uh, – didn't do OU any favors. And, um, I mean, like you said, to win a national championship, you're going to have to beat these teams no matter what. But 
um, was very, very disappointed to see that the NCAA chose to put those teams in that position that they did. Well, guys, the, the Washington girls walked out when they they heard the seed. I don't know if you guys saw that video. Like yeah, They were all yeah. sitting there, and they were announced as the 16th seed, and the entire team left. So not only is OU going to get – I don't think Michigan's going to come out of that. Um, I think it's Washington. Not only are you going to get a very talented team coming to Norman, you're going to get a pissed-off team coming to Norman, um, and that matters. So, yeah, they're going to have their hands full. Next weekend, you know, if everything goes smooth, you know, tomorrow through Sunday – that Washington series will be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think you, can, <laughs> you could probably even make the argument that that OU Washington series is the, the, there's going to be Washington's going to have more talent than maybe you know a handful of the teams that are going to end up in Oklahoma City. So um, OU is going to be extremely battle tested if they come out of that unscathed and advance to the women's college World Series. Uh, but no, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and the fact that we're going to get to do that just down the street at Marita Hines Field for the next couple weeks, um, it's it's a good time to be an OU softball fan. Um, and we are excited to, for the girls to get underway tomorrow night. Certainly going to be a tough road, uh, but we want to give a big thanks to Chris Plank for jumping on and, and interviewing with us this week. And if you enjoyed that interview, take 20 seconds, open up your Apple podcast app, give us a five-star review, uh, let us know some feedback there. So greatly appreciate everyone tuning in and listening today. Uh, we are going to cap off this podcast with a little bit of college football because we're Oklahoma, so we've got to talk a little college football. We've got some uh, week one uh, spreads that just got released. These are coming to us from FanDuel. Uh, we got five or six matchups here, I believe, on the first week. And so uh, just kind of get some feedback on you guys. The first one, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. UNC a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Man, Virginia Tech has fallen off, haven't they? And I don't know if there's any coming back in the near future, to be honest. I the the fact that I'm sitting here right now and I can't tell you two players that that's on the Virginia Tech roster right now just kind of speaks volumes to kind of the decline on that program over the past few years. But no, I mean it's the the fact that it is going to be in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech at home. That's always challenging going on the road playing at a place like that. Um, North Carolina. I know that they've got Sam Howe coming back, but they are replacing a lot of talent at the skill position. Obviously, losing their two best running backs in the NFL draft and their best wide receiver, but. Mac Brown's recruited extremely well the past couple of seasons. So six and a half, I mean, I, I, I trust Sam Howell enough. And again, this line will change as we get closer to football season. We're 99 days away. Uh, but just looking at that matchup, six and a half seems good. And I'd, I'd probably have to lean on the side of the Tar Heels in that one. Yeah. yeah. Night game, Blacksburg, inner Sandman. I mean, that place is going to be bumping. Uh, but it's 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 Sam Howell and it's the Tar Heels. So uh, ready for college football. Winning by winning by a touchdown. I, I got to take the the minus six and a half there. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fun one on a Friday night. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. Another one that was really stood out and I think was kind of surprising. LSU at UCLA. The Tigers are only a three point favorite in the Rose Bowl. Hammer the minus three. <laughs> yeah. Hammer the minus three because that stadium is going to be 50 50 at best with the amount of Tiger fans that are going to go out to California. Uh, and LSU is returning a shit ton of talent. Uh, so hammer that minus three. Get it while you can now. And because I said that, you might want to take UCLA plus three. But in this moment, I'm taking, uh, taking LSU. Vegas is rarely ever wrong, so I don't know what, again, like the NCAA, I don't know what Vegas' thought process is on setting the line at minus three right now. Obviously, LSU, are, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback for the for the second straight year. I don't know who that's going to be, but LSU, their skill players, their, you know, their talent in the trenches on both sides of the football, 
the fact that you're only going to give me LSU to cover a field goal in this game uh, against UCLA. And I, I, you got to take the Tigers in this one, maybe because of the fact that Chip Kelly, this is year four at UCLA. He's kind of made a little bit of progress, but if, uh, if he's going to get it done at UCLA, I mean, the time is now. Um, and nothing quite like starting the season off against LSU uh, right here in your backyard. So I, I'm taking LSU minus three as well. I wouldn't put money on it, but Dorian Thompson Robinson is a great dual threat quarterback. I think he can give LSU a little bit of trouble in the opener. Uh, so another dual threat quarterback that um, hopefully should be in pretty good shape by uh, the start of the season is Derek King in Miami, and they are facing off against Alabama in Atlanta. Miami, a 17 and a half point underdog. Is that big enough? I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. I mean, the fact that this game is in Atlanta, I mean, we always talk about Nick Saban, you know, never playing a, a true non-conference road game. I mean, I guess you could consider, I mean, th- this is essentially going to be a home game. This is the SEC championship location. That'll be probably 75%, you know, uh, tied fans. Uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But honestly, guys, looking at this, it's kind of hard to project, especially not knowing the status of De'Eric King, if he's going to be truly healthy going into week one. If he is, I'm hammering Miami minus 17.5. I don't think they win this game, but I would trust him to be able to keep it within you know two scores and a field goal, um, especially given the fact that, like you said, Alabama, as good as they are, as good as they recruit, they still lost a ton of players, and I like I like Miami's skill positions, even though they are replacing both defensive ends. I like their defense going into this year, and I think it's going to take Bryce Young a little bit of time to get things in sync uh, with, with all those new weapons and him, you know, being at the being the captain of that offense. So um, I think Alabama definitely wins the game, but seventeen and a half—that's a lot of points, especially if De'Eric King is back healthy for for the uh, for the Hurricanes. I think Miami is the Texas of the East Coast. I don't think they're that good at all. I don't think Derek King is that good at all. Anytime that they faced a team that had true talent, Derek King did nothing, nothing. So I think, I think Vegas has the mindset of you, Tyler, as far as like, let's make people think that new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, you'll lose so much on offense from Alabama. Let's make that line to where it seems juicy to take Miami. And at the end of the day, the machine ain't broke. Bama's going to run in there, win by at least 20, and cover this. So, yeah, give me – roll tide on that one. I just – I do not believe in Miami um, whatsoever. So, I'll take Saban. I think of all three of the games that we've talked about so far, this line, I think I'd be pretty confident saying this will be the one that creeps up the highest as we get closer to kickoff. I'm going to roll with the Death Star as well. So, Uh, The next matchup on our list here is Georgia and Clemson. It's a real shame that this one is not being played in one of the home stadiums. It's going to be in Charlotte, which is kind of a home game for Clemson. Uh, Clemson is a three-point favorite, which kind of tells you that these teams are pretty even in Vegas's minds. Um, How would you guys look at this game so far out at this point? To me, this is the strangest line of them all. I have no idea why Georgia wouldn't be favored here. I really don't, um, which makes me pick Clemson minus three. I got to kind of like reverse psychology myself here because I think I, again, I think Vegas wants people to take Georgia and that's why I'm going to take Clemson minus three. I don't, it makes no rhyme, no, no sense whatsoever based on what I know about these two teams, but that's a fishy line to me. And when it's fishy, you got to go against the obvious. And so I'm going to go Clemson minus three. 
Yeah, I, I looked at this a couple different ways. I mean, I'm kind of in agreement with you, Corbin. I think, you know, p- plus three, I think if anything, this could be a pick em type game. I think that Clemson has the advantage in a few different areas, obviously, especially at the coaching front. You know, give me Dabo over Kirby Smart every day of the week. Uh, Clemson does have 10 of 11 starters back on defense, so that does give me a little bit more confidence. DJ Uyangalele, I mean, he's he's a new quarterback, but, I mean, we saw what we saw from him last year as the backup, um, I, I liked what I saw from him. So give him another spring, another fall camp to get ready. I think he'll be well. I, I'm i not sold on JT Daniels. I'm not buying into the hype train behind that. I mean, I, I might be in the minority on that. Um, and then especially given the fact that, you know, they, they lost their best receiver in George Pickens. He's out with an ACL injury. And I think they lost uh, either their second or third uh, best wide receiver to an injury as well. But they've got probably the best, Running back room in America. Um, I wish OU had at least one of those going into this year, but uh, I, 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 I don't know. I would probably, I'd probably pick Clemson in this. Um, but again, ask me, ask me as we get closer to kickoff because I, I like Georgia this year a lot too. I like that. You know, both these teams are ones that OU will probably want to avoid in the playoffs. So at least one of them is going to start off the season with an L. So. I like that you know they're playing each other there, uh, but kind of a it's kind of a wash though, don't you think? I mean, the losing I mean, this game, I mean, it really doesn't hurt them, does it? They're still in it, but they're one step closer to being out of the playoffs. So. A Georgia loss hurts more than a Clemson loss. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, just this the reality that Georgia has a much better chance of losing twice. Yeah, some uh, some teams that OU probably won't have to worry about if we make it to the playoffs is Notre Dame and Florida State. Uh, Notre Dame, a little bit of a rebuilding year. Florida State still rebuilding, I don't know, a decade or something for them. But uh, Notre Dame favored by nine at Florida State. Is it really going to be that close? I'm, I'm actually taking the plus nine. Um, I have no rhyme or reason. I, I know so little about the, both of these teams. Florida State's been so bad. Notre Dame's been really good against not great teams. And they lost, you know, a little bit last year so. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a coin flip for me, but maybe this is the year where that talent down in Tallahassee turns it around. But I, I, I mean, if you're talking about a pick that I feel the least confident about, it's this one. I would probably stay on the side of Florida State as well. Nine's a lot of points. The fact that Florida State does get them at home, Notre Dame's going to be breaking in a new quarterback um, that I, to be honest right now, I know absolutely nothing about. Um, but I think that they're going to miss Ian Book quite a bit um, after the career that he had in South Bend. So um, Florida State, like just like kind of what we said with UCLA and, and Chip Kelly, I mean, the time is now. If, if they're going to get over the hump and kind of return to prominence as being, you know, not a blue blood, but being one of the, uh, the, the premier programs in college football, Florida State's got to take that step this year. And nine's a lot of points, so give me the Seminole – or, yeah, give me the Knowles. Notre Dame's breaking in. Uh, probably Jack Cohen, the Wisconsin transfer who is – Best way to put it, the most mediocre game manager of all time. And, Do the lefty? Uh, I believe so. Uh, and Florida State's got UCF transfer McKenzie Milton coming off uh, the injury from about two years ago. So interesting interesting matchups and storylines there. Uh, but that brings us to the final matchup of opening weekend, which is kind of just an okay matchup in my opinion, but one that I'm sure we'll all be watching because it will be the only thing on and we are college football starved uh, still. And that is Louisville at Ole Miss. Uh, the uh, Ole Miss Rebels there are a seven-point favorite. 
I mean, let's be honest, we don't know a lot about these teams, but which direction are you guys headed here? It's funny that this game is like being thrown in to the the ESPN like top week one games because um, it, it goes through, you know, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Alabama, Miami, and then like a couple more games. And then it's like Louisville Ole Miss. It's like, well, that doesn't quite belong with any of the others. Uh, I know Ole Miss is going to score. And so I'm going to bank on that, that they're going to score, you know, a lot of points and they'll cover that minus seven. That's but again, not a whole lot of confidence in that one. Uh, in this matchup, seven points at the Grove, Ole Miss being the home team. I trust Lane Kiffin. I trust Ole Miss's quarterback to put up points, just like you said, Corbin. So um, I don't know too much right now about Louisville. Haven't really dove into them too much this offseason, but um, seven's not too many points. So give me Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin scheming week one. Uh, Louisville not having a ton of film or not having any film on this Ole Miss roster. So give me the Rebels minus seven for sure. I'm going to lean that direction as well. Louisville lost – Quite a bit of talent and playmakers to the NFL uh, just a couple weeks ago. Not completely sold on their coach. He flirted around quite a bit in the offseason. I did want to get your guys' thoughts on one thing. We, we talked to Plank about it last night. That's Honestly, that's been the, the, the talk of the town since the, the Cotton Bowl when OU demolished Florida. It's the, it's the hype train behind this OU football team. And we heard of all people to praise OU this week. We heard... From Paul Feinbaum, the biggest SEC homer that there is, he came out and said, of all the teams in America, everybody has some weak points, some uh, some things that they're going to have to overcome, but OU doesn't have any weaknesses whatsoever. So do you buy that? Does the hype train keep rolling, or is that more of a clickbait type thing? Let's get people talking about it a little bit more. He's wrong. Yeah, he is. Because he's completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah. yeah, He's wrong. Uh, you know, offensive line, weak point, running back, at best a question mark right now and then receiver look at the question safety, mark yeah receiver question mark and the safety position question question mark so I, it's it's clickbait uh it's a big enough brand it's outside the sec to piss off all the sec people that's 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 all this is i almost i almost kind of get the feeling that with ou the expectations being what they are the national media as we get closer and closer to the start of the season they're going to build ou up so high so that if OU does fall short, that gives them an opportunity to kind of pile on like they always do if OU doesn't live up to expectations or perform well in the playoffs. So that's kind of what I think is going on behind the scenes. Well, Tyler getting us to talk about some clickbait. Uh, it's probably a good point to wrap things up for the evening. So uh, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod one And we will see everyone again next Thursday.